0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the 12th episode of Tangents Abound. Woo! And if you're new to the show, welcome! And I hope I didn't just scare you. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling great tonight, friends. I'm glad to record. So I've got a lot of stuff to do, a lot of stuff to talk about. I can't wait to get into it. And first of all, I just want to say thank you so much! I have gotten a ton of feedback and comments on the um, past two episodes, specifically the 80 Saturday morning cartoons. My download numbers have gone through the roof. I hit 10. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'm so happy. <laughs> So, also, I have comments, I have an email from our good buddy Gene, so we're going to get right into it because, boy, oh boy, am I excited about today. Alrighty, well, first off, since there is so much, I'm afraid I'm going to have to not say everyone, so I'm sorry, but I just want to let you know that in the future, if this happens, and you do leave a comment, please use a valid email because I'm always sending thank you notes to everyone who leaves a comment and a lot of times they don't go through so please if you do leave a comment use a real email I promise I will never ever use it for anything else I will never give it out I just wanna say thank you so if I can't get it on the show I don't want you to know that I don't care and I do I really do care alrighty so that out of the way let's get into my comments First off, my good friend Turtle Loves. Oh, I'm so happy, Turtle Loves, that you let me know that you're not mad at me that year, thinking I'm doing a great job, and I really appreciate it, my friend. I'm so happy for that. Um, Steve Lexington, new commenter, I appreciate it. He says, and this is about the uh, Superman uh, episode, the final Superman episode. Dude, I don't even have to, like, read these now. It's, like, great that you narrate them for me. And I don't know why I went all Scottish there, Steve. <laughs> oh, boy, am I jazzed for this one. Um, in all honesty, dude, <laughs> in all honesty, Steve, I didn't mean to go surfer, dude, so take two. Dude, I don't even have to read these now. It's, like, great that you narrate them for me with good insightfulness. Well, I appreciate it, Steve. And, you know, if you got to chuckle out of that first one, I appreciate it. I'm glad you could and in- have some fun. I had a comment from a Chris Kringle who is named Zoltan, apparently, and he says, You forgot to give me a shout-out. I listen to the show, too. Well, in my defense, Zoltan, you just said your name. I'm not going to just say a name. I need an actual comment or sentence to read. Otherwise, I just think it's spam. So I apologize, but I appreciate you listening, my friend. I really do. And A-girl, it's nice to see you're back, and she left me a comment. For the Lois and Clark issue, that she enjoyed it quite a bit, and thank you, a girl 31. Now let's get into my f- first comments with the 80s uh, episode mo- with the first 80s Saturday morning. Car- let's get into the feedback for the first Saturday morning cartoon episode where I covered Transformers the movie. And A-Girl said, another goodie. Aw, oh, thank you. I always did Saturday morning cartoons at my grandma's, who I lived with, with breakfast in my PJs. Nice job, Aaron. Well, thank you, A-Girl31. That, I'm, I'm glad you had some good memories, and I was able to maybe jog them a little bit, so thank you. Batman Death Grapple said, I love Saturday morning cartoons. I had a VHS back then, so I could rewatch them later. Yep, and I did the exact same thing, Batman Death Grapple. Ernie McCracken, first-time commenter, said Just felt like saying hello after listening Well, thank you, Ernie I appreciate it And I hope you enjoyed it And I hope uh, you kept on listening I really appreciate it And Chrono Hominus I'm not sure what that means But he says he loves Saturday morning cartoons So I'm happy (laughs) Alrighty Also We had another nice little comment from Steve Lexington about our favorite executive producer, Harley, where he said, Was that your kitty making noise again? Well, What a bad kitty Harley is. It's cool that you made her a character, though. I have three kitties myself. One is a calico. I call her Blondie. One is Black, named Beyonce. I had a solid black kitty, too, and I named her Silky. And then she passed away. Sorry, friends, I didn't mean bring down the show, but I had good times with my little Silky when I was growing up. And a Siamese Lucy Lou. They act all right, though. Well, my grandma also had Siamese f- all the time when I was growing up, and sadly, the oldest, uh, well, I shouldn't say the oldest, the most recent, just passed away about three or four months ago, and I still miss my little baby girl. So even though she wasn't my kitty, I, for a time, lived with my grandma, and she always slept at the end of my bed, so... I miss your little baby girl. (laughs) Okay. Again, friends, I'm not trying to bring down the show, but they're good memories. And, you know, tangent abound. (laughs) In a comment section, there's a tangent. Pets don't last forever, but it's good we have so many good memories with them. Okay, and Tony... I'm just going to say Tony said... What a great time to listen this morning. Well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate that. And Turtle Gloves. yay! Go, Aaron! Well, thank you, Turtle gloves. I'm so happy you enjoyed the um, episode. And now I'm going to get into my two. Yes, I'm counting them as two emails. Woo! <laughs> I can't believe this counts. Uh, I can't believe this happened. Well, the first one is from Vic Anya. AKA, my little sister. Now, until she says it's all right for me to say her name, I'm just going to have to use her user tag because I don't know what she wants me to say on uh, public radio. She said, Geeking out about Star Wars Rogue One is always acceptable and very much approved of. Also, I love hearing my niece Harley in the background. And you seriously were going to wait until DVD release to see it? Eh, you'd have caved. Also, I'd better be with you when you go, bro. Yes. Yes, she will. I already have plans for that in which theater we're going to. Ah, Harley, a girl after my own heart. But do hit the right key next time, dear. You gotta make your daddy look good, right? Well, apparently Vikanya, she heard that because she's now crawling all over me and <laughs> wants attention, so yeah. <laughs> she apparently enjoyed the comment. Now, honestly, why am I surprised that Transformers was the first Saturday morning cartoon, and also the reason why Grandma's is the place for geekiness is because we have awesome grandparents, and just, I'm just saying, oh yeah, we do, we do have very awesome grandparents. Also, another reason was our Uncle Andy, who lived there, was really big into Transformers, too, so I was able to, (laughs) that's how I got into Transformers, actually, was through my Uncle Andy. And you, not a big Transformers fan? Well, I guess compared to Star Wars and Superman, yeah, that's accurate. Well, let me address this. I'm not a big Michael Bay Transformers fan. I'm a big original Transformers fan. There's a reason, little sis, why I have a ton of Transformers comic books. So I'm just saying that. I honestly didn't realize you searched for the Transformers movie for so long, and I'm such a great, observant sister. Well... I kept it quiet, you know. (laughs) All in all, awesome episode, bro. Looking forward to next week. Thanks for keeping me company as I clean house. Oh, you're welcome, sis. I'll have some Rice Krispies ready for next week. Keep up the awesome work. Okay, let me address this first. I do not see any Rice Krispies or Rice Krispie Treats. Harley, did you eat my Rice Krispie Treats? Did you eat my Rice Krispie Treats? (laughs) Yeah, and she's just looking at me, friends. Yeah, she knows she did. (laughs) Alrighty. Well, let's go into our second email from our good friend, as I mentioned earlier, earlier, Mr. Gene Hendricks. Aaron, I have to agree with you that Transformers the movie is the best Transformers movie ever made. I was 10 when this movie came out. Yes, I'm that much older than you. And I was really excited for it since I had played with the toys and watched the cartoons since they came out. Well, I'm just going to pause here, Gene. Actually, I'm kind of jealous of you because you had the opportunity to see Return of the Jedi in the movie theaters, and I didn't. So, even though you are a little older than me, I'm kind of envious, my friend. (laughs) My mother, however, found out that the one key scene in... Let me start over. My mother, however, found out the one key scene and wouldn't let me go, lest I be upset. Yeah, I heard a lot of parents didn't take their kids to the movie because of that scene. When I finally saw it on VHS at home, and for those of you who don't know, or are too young to know, VHS were pre-DVDs. Not too long afterwards, I remember feeling a lump in my throat at the death of Optimus Prime, but not bawling or anything. Oh well. Oh, That's, that's okay, Gene. I'm just a big old softy, so it doesn't take much for me. <laughs> now time for a tangent. Wow! Good job, Gene. You got a tangent in an email. <laughs> Thank you for calling it Walt Disney World, which is the proper name. Being as big a Disney guy as I am, but especially Walt about right Walt Disney World, it bugs me when people cut off the Walt part. Yes, it bugs me too, Gene. There's a reason why all the abbreviations are WDW. It's Walt Disney World, and it's Disneyland. Let's get it right, friends. Back to the movie. This was one of the first times that I remember celebrity voices being in a cartoon. I didn't know who Robert Stack or Judd Nelson were, but I knew Leonard Nimoy's name, and Orson Welles was the guy from the end of the Muppet movie. Wait, wait, wait. The guy at the end of the Muppet movie was Orson Welles? I've watched that movie for 25 years, and I never knew that. Wow. Thanks, Gene. It obviously wasn't the first time this was done. See Phil Harris and Louis Prima, and I apologize if I mispronounce that, in The Jungle Book but it was the first time it occurred to me that this was happening. Oh, and also for Phil Harris, see him in The Aristocats as Thomas O'Malley and as my personal favorite and one of the best characters in one of the best movies Disney ever made, Little John in Robin Hood. And let's not forget the music. Oh, the music. This is one of the few albums I slot out when I was able to buy stuff on my own. The touch, dare, instruments of destruction, the new version of the theme, all wonderful. I can still recite many of the lyrics. I've listened to them so much. Heck, thanks to it being free streaming with Amazon Prime, I listen to many of these when I go running. Great tempo to keep the pace up. Wait, wait, wait. That That's available on Amazon Prime? Ooh, I know what I'm adding to my playlist. Thanks, Gene. Another tangent. Wow, too. Gene, <laughs> are you aiming to be my semi-regular co-host here, my friend? (laughs) If so, you are welcome. Another tangent. Have you heard of the Cybertronic Spree? If not, I can't really explain it. I suggest checking out this video. And he linked it, and I will be putting it in the show notes like I did with the last YouTube video Gene sent me. And what it is is a fan fan group singing in the touch. Now, the cool thing is they're all dressed up as Transformers and the costumes are incredibly complex and extreme, and but they are functional so they are actually playing the instruments the hot rod and rc are just amazing and i do feel kind of bad for the one uh, guitarist cuz i think he got the the easiest costume of all cuz he just dressed up as spike so really all he's wearing is a work shirt jeans and a yellow hard hat come on man everyone else put some effort into that but you still rock out so good on you my friend Back again to the movie. One oddness that was always in Transformers was the size changing. Astrotrain, like you said, grew amazingly when he went from robot to shuttle. It was most obvious with Megatron, though, since he went from being one of the tallest Decepticons to shrinking to fit into Starscream's hand. I never understood it, but I'm willing to let it go. Okay, Gene, I can explain this. The reason Megatron transformed into the handheld gun was apparently through science as our good friend uh, Donovan, Donovan Morgan Grant would say, SCIENCE! It was to... A lot of the mass went into other dimensions, okay. But the whole reason Megatron transformed into a gun was apparently his power source then shifted into an even stronger form. So that's why he was the gun. So it was a more powerful... Wh- he was a more had, He had a more powerful blast. And let's also not forget our good buddy Soundwave. Yeah, he went... F- he As a tape cassette, he went through a number of changes. Sometimes he was small enough that he was the size of an actual Sony Walkman. And other times he was the size of, say, a table as a cassette player. So there was no consistency with Soundwave. I just chalk it up to comic books and cartoons. It solves everything. I've seen... Also, Gene says, I've seen that the games exist, but I haven't come close to playing them. I have limited video game time, even more limited than podcasting time. So I don't think I'll be picking those up anytime soon. They did look good when X-Play reviewed them, though. Ah, yes, X-Play, back when G4 actually reviewed video games. I forget the host name, but the girl with the dark hair, yeah, she was very attractive. And again, I was watching the show when I was a teenager, so I noticed girls. (laughs) Also, friends, I looked on Steam, and right now, they only have Fall of Cybertron, the second game, and they're charging 50 bucks for it. No, no, I'm sorry, Steam. A game that's about five or six years old should not be full price at this juncture. So, friends, if you ever want to play it, I recommend going to your... Local video game store, and finding it in a pre-owned bin or a bargain bin because each of these games is worth playing, and you shouldn't pay more than 20 bucks for them at this point in time. But it's because as fun as they are, they are short. They're like eight or nine hours each, so you know 20 bucks is reasonable for for some good Transformers action. Looking f- and finally, Gene says, looking forward to the rest of the series. Gene. P.S. Till All at One is a really good song. Thanks for including it. Oh, you're welcome, Gene. I hope everyone else enjoyed it, too. And P.P.S., I hope this makes up for my not writing in during the arrival coverage. Well, Gene, it did, but I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad that you're listening. And thank you, my friend, for the very wonderful email. I appreciate it. Well, my friends, that's it for the comments section, and wow, again, thank you so much. It really means a lot that people are sending their little thoughts and notes to me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Well, as is the norm, I'm going to take a short break and plug a promo for a great show. Now, I did plug his show last week, but as of between my recording of that episode and this episode, Views from the lawnbox Box has celebrated its 250th episode. And since that is such a monumental achievement in the world of podcasting, I'm going to plug a promo for Views from the Long Box, and you should check it out because not only is Views in general an amazing show, but this episode in particular has two British people in it. So you know that it's automatically the greatest podcast ever because they're covering Fantastic Four from the 90s and a run that was criminally underrated. I listened to it. I loved it. Please check it out, and if you happen to like it, you know, drop my, Mr. Bailey a note and say where you found it from, so maybe one day my wish of podcasting with him will come true. So thank you, everyone, and I'll be right back. All righty, my friends. Well, this is a fun one. I'll, I can't wait to talk about this, and I'm going to give you a little peek behind the curtain, friends. This is actually the second time I recorded this episode, because the first time, I just wasn't happy with it. And you, my friends, deserve the best job I can do, so that's why I'm even more jazzed today. Alrighty, so before I start talking, let's get ready for some of the best superheroes ever to come out of the 1980s who are still going strong today and I can't wait to talk about my favorite heroes in a half shell okay woo! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now I'll confess I wasn't a big Turtles fan until recently actually I mean I enjoyed the Turtles but i never really watched any of the animated series i've only ever seen the first movie and parts of the second one i've never seen the third one and from what i've heard i was actually dodging a bullet i've never seen the two newest ones with michael that were done (laughs) by michael bay and i really really wanted to see the second one because it had one of my favorite actors of all time steven amell aka green arrow as casey jones But, yeah. Uh, so, but again, we had poor Megan Fox just pure eye candy for the 13 year old boys. Can, can we please have an honest female character, Mr. Bay? That's not just bent over showing her assets? Please? Alrighty. Now, about. <laughs> Two or, th- two or three months ago, I stumbled across a YouTube video. And this was done by a YouTube v- video blogger, I guess is what they call him. And his name is Phelous, P-H-E-L-O-U-S. And I like to listen to him because he was talking about knockoff toys. And one of his favorites is Ninja Turtles. And... He loves Ninja Turtles, and he loves the real Ghostbusters. He loves 80s cartoons, so I'm like, okay. Well, he start talking about a crossover episode from the 2012 series that they did with the 1987 series, Turtles. Now, I'm not going to go into it, because that's an awesome episode, and, again, it was the reason I started watching the 2012 series that we're going to talk about. So... I was intrigued enough to check out the first season, and man am I glad I did. Now, as I said, we are going to talk about the 2012 series, not the 1987 series, simply because I haven't seen any of the 1987 series, so I know I'm not qualified to talk about it. And also, the 2012 series is a love letter to the um, 2018. Two thousand to the nineteen eighty seven series. So, definitely, friends, check that out. Okay. So, in this episode, since there's, well, there's at least, there's four seasons currently available right now. The four seasons still airing, but a fifth season has been announced. So I'm not going to cover the episodes in depth. I'm not even, all I'm going to do is talk about the characters, some of my favorites, why I love them so much. And also some of my favorite things in the show. And why I love the show so much. So it's not going to be a synopsis of anything. It's just going to be what I love. Now that said, there will be major spoilers. So just like the Voltron episode, spoilers, 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 and more spoilers are about to abound. Spoilers, 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 and more spoilers are about to abound. So if you stop listening right now, I won't. Take offense at it. I will understand completely. So, as of right now, you have been warned, and there's no going back. Okay. Well, the 2012 series had some pretty interesting background. Now, I got a lot of my information both from the Wikipedia page as well as a couple, a Ninja Turtle fan Wikipedia wikis. I'm not sure what. Th- The difference is I think the wikis are more geared for that specific subject than your standard Wikipedia page. So all credit to Wikipedia and Turtlepedia for the information. I do appreciate it. Okay, so back in October 21st, 2009, and to give you a little background on me, friends, I was out of a job and looking for work. (laughs) A press release was made indicating that Viacom had bought the complete rights of the Ninja Turtles franchise from Peter Laird for $60 million. Wow, Mr. Laird, (laughs) you took those turtles and went to the bank with them, didn't you? And that also they would be developing a CGI animated TV series for Nickelodeon for broadcast in 2012, so about a three-year turnaround, which is pretty good for an animated series. Now when the series premiered, it proved to be popular with both audiences and critics, garnering almost 4 million viewers on its premiere night, and it hit a ratings high for Nickelodeon with Boys 2 to 11, making it the network's top-rated premiere for an animated series since 2009. Now, tangent about here, friends. How do they know Boys 2 to 11 were watching this? I never understood how people come up with these rating systems. I mean <laughs> I think that's a little suspect number to begin with. I mean, boys 2 to 5, they're just watching whenever their parents turn the TV on. 2, they're going, ooh, look, cookie. So I kind of am suspect on ratings to begin with. And in all honesty, with DVRing and digital streaming and everything that's going on nowadays, I think viewing ratings are almost obsolete nowadays I think we need to start looking at download numbers and recording numbers rather than viewing numbers but that's just me and again I have no idea how TV shows come up with these figures anyway so I probably may don't even have a leg to stand on okay well friends This is why I love this show so, so much. First off, each season tells a complete story arc. The first season is right now my favorite. I've watched about half of season two and I'm working my way through it, but of the two I've. of the one one and three quarter seasons I've seen, one is still my favorite because it's. If the show had ended by the final episode, I would have been satisfied. And I'm glad it didn't. Don't get me wrong. But it was able to tell a full story between the turtles saving New York from both the Foot Clan and from the Krang. Now, I should say, not Krang, singular, but THE Krang. It's it's the whole race now, not just one little brain alien. But rest assured, friends, yes... They are all little brain aliens, and they are all in robots. Not big hulking robots, but, like, well, they they look like me if I was a lot slimmer. <laughs> Just your standard businessman type. Now, there are one-and-done episodes throughout this series, but even those still have a reference or a tie-in somehow to the overarching story where it'll just be like a line of dialogue. So it's not far off from people's minds, which I really appreciate. Now, just because you have a great story, do you have good characters? Do you have me invested in your show? And yes, they do. The writers of this show make you care about the Turtles. They're more than just the standard one-off tropes we know of. Like, you know, we all know that Leonardo's the leader, Raphael's the bad boy, Donnie's the smart one, and Michelangelo's the party dude. We all know that. But we get to spend time with the Turtles. We get to see them both in action and in downtime, and we get to really see both their... Interactions with each other, their interactions with Splinter, and they really feel like a family, and I really appreciate that. Um, throughout the show, we get to see them develop relationships. They have crushes, and, well, we'll get into that because while I am not against interspecies relationships, I'm not sure if the world's ready for mutant turtle but here friends is a huge thing of what I love about this show and that is April O'Neil she's no longer the ditzy uh, or damsel in distress reporter or the stressed out mom she's I'd say about six 15, 16, same age as the Turtles, but she can stand on her own two feet. She's just as smart as Donatello, (laughs) and and she's, throughout the show, she grows as a character because she keeps, she's the prime target of the Krang. And I'll get into that in, in, in a minute when I go further in detail onto her, but needless to say, she can stand on her own two feet, and I'm really happy for it. And also, in the show, we have a great mix. There's comedy, there's drama, there's laughter, there's serious moments, and there's loving moments, there's family moments, and there's even outright terror moments at times. In fact, one episode that I will talk about, it's a straight-on alien episode. And by alien, I mean Ridley Scott alien episode. And it actually freaked me out watching it. And I'm 30 years old, but, again, the xenomorphs always scared me. So <laughs> this this plugged into that fear, but it was great, and it was great fun. And also, throughout the show, there are tons and tons of Easter eggs and references. So Jean, my friend, pay attention. My buddy Scott, who I just guested with, on weekly heroics and he said he was listening. You need to pay attention my friends because two of your favorite shows are referenced in the show and I will talk about that in a in closer to the end of the episode. So <laughs> that way I make sure you listen. <laughs> okay. So let's get into the characters. The first off is of course our brave leader Leonardo. Leonardo. Now, Leonardo is voiced for the first two seasons by Jason Biggs, who most people would recognize as the main character from the American Pie movies or the boyfriend of the main character in the Orange is the New Black series. Now, I will say this, little listeners, if you are listening, you are not allowed to watch those shows until you're at least 17. And I can safely say that because it says rated... (laughs) <laughs> 417 and up, so. Listen to, listen to your buddy Aaron on this one. Now, for some reason, and I couldn't find out why, but Mr. Biggs had to leave the show. So, through through part of Season 2, we had a fill-in voice actor, Dominic Catrambone. And currently, from Season 3 onward, it is Seth Green. Now, Seth Green is probably best known as Chris from Family Guy or as the main voice or writer of Robot Chicken, my personal favorite is Joker from the Mass Effect series. I love him in that video game series, and I'm kind of sad that I don't think he's going to be in the next game coming out later this later next year. That's the one criticism I have about the game. We need more Joker! But I am happy Joker ended up with the smoking hot Cyborg. If anyone was going to end up with number six from Battlestar Galactica, I'm glad it was him. <laughs> yes, I was always Paragon. And went synthesis, so... <laughs> I went for the happiest ending I could out of three bad choices. <laughs> okay, so back to Leonardo. He's Now, as I mentioned before, he's serious and he takes his leadership role seriously. He worked. But what's also interesting is that he worries about his lack of experience as a leader. He's never really... When we meet the Turtles, their first night out in the city is the very first episode. So he's worried about what could happen. And he's as they encounter more and more dangerous enemies, he worries about making decisions that could lead to his brother's death, and he treats it, res- and the writers treat that respectfully. There's a very great scene between him and Splinter where he goes, where Leonardo goes, Master Splinter, father, I don't, I don't know how, I, if, if I could do that. I don't know how, I, I feel helpless whenever I have to send the guys out and I can't be there with them. And Master Splinter just looks at him and goes, my son, that's how I feel every day. And, oh, it was a great moment. I love Splinter's relationships with the Turtles, and I'll get into that in a a bit because, boy, do I have a lot to talk about Splinter. Now, Leonardo is also very self-sacrificing as well. He's willing to take brutal punishment to protect someone, even if that someone is trying to kill him at that moment. But... He is a bit of a goof, to be honest, because he tends to take his example of leadership not from Splinter, but from his favorite hero, Captain Ryan of Space Heroes. And Gene, again, pay attention, because we'll be talking about this later, because it is awesome! (laughs) And both Season 1 and Season 2 are right up your alley, Gene. I promise. (laughs) So... What usually ends up happening is, with Leonardo using lines like, we are the turtles of justice, instead of turtle power or, you know, evildoers, beware our wrath. Well, Raphael or Donnie usually take the vinegar out of him by calling him on some of these dumb can't phrases and goes, like, do you even hear yourself when you talk? (laughs) And it's great. They really feel like brothers, you know, ribbon on each other. Now also, one of the more interesting things throughout the show is he kinda has a crush on Shredder's second-in-command Karai, even when she keeps trying to kill him. And in fact, in one episode, he kicked her out of the way of a collapsing chimney and took full force of all the bricks falling, and at the time, she was about ready to stab him through the face. So, he is selfless, but he really flirts with her as they fight. In fact, I would say that there's a definite Batman-Catwoman vibe with these two, which is um, which is awesome, because I always love the dueling femme fatale, but you, you always hope that they do get together. But it could also be kind of creepy, and not just in the interspecies relationship. And I'll explain that when I get to Karai. Now, Raphael is voiced by Sean Astin, probably best known as Samwise Gamgee from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, or the first time I was introduced to him as both Rudy from the amazing movie Rudy with that awesome Jerry Goldsmith score, and also the very first movie Brendan Fraser was in, Encino Man. So you had Sean Astin, Polly Shore, and Brendan Fraser. Wow. I need to go find that, see if that's on Netflix. Yes, it's 90s cheese, but it's good 90s cheese. (laughs) Now, Raphael is still the hothead we all know and love, but he's loyal to a fault. Anyone messes with his family or friends gets either a kick in the face or a sigh through the head. Well, if you're a robot, of course, and yeah, uh I will let you know, friends, that the show is not afraid to do limb mutilations, decapitations, and pointy and pointy sharp things pinning heads to walls if you're a robot. <laughs> so in season one when they're fighting the Foot Clan, they're regular guys, so it's mainly kicks, punches, and but on the plus side, both Donatello and Michelangelo are allowed to use their uh, Bo staff and N- Nunchaku to hit the, the ninjas, but Raf's kind of and Leo's kind of more on the disarming side rather than, you know, stabby. It, well, in season two, the clan ninjas are replaced with classic foot ninja robots. So, yeah, we can be as violent as we want now. <laughs> But the, uh, ninja, the foot ninjas are based off the Ninja Turtles movie design with the bug-eye mask and the dark black keys versus the bright purple and black from the, anime, from the 87 animated series. Now, also, with Raphael, we do see a softer side to him because he has a little pet turtle named Spike. And, well, that's kind of meta and also weird if you think about it. Now, I love Spike. He's just so chill and happy, munching on his little lettuce leaf, or sitting on Raph's shoulder as they're watching Space Heroes, or playing uh, uh, playing pinball. But <laughs> the best way I can describe him is Spike is Raph's Harley. Meow! <laughs> I'm cuter than that, Shellbrain! Yes, yes you are, Harley, and thank you for visiting. <laughs> Now, Donatello, he's voiced by Rob Paulson. Now, you may be be familiar with that if you're a fan of the 87 series because he was the voice actor for Raphael from that series. So it was amazing that he came back to do Donatello. Now, Donnie is still the tech guy, but he's also the best tactician and strategist of the team. He's primarily responsible for all their plans, all their uh, missions, and as well as making their gear their vehicles and spying for him and also he built metalhead and man I loved metalhead because he went from a drone to a full-fledged Iron Giant character And the fact and in fact the whole reason Donnie built metalhead was he talked to Master Splinter and said that you know we're fighting aliens and robots what's what good is a big stick and Master Splinter said, you're all right. A ninja must adapt, so Donnie built Metalhead. And throughout the course of the show, Metalhead eventually gained an AI and became a full-fledged, like I said, robot character. And in the f- one of the f- last episodes I watched, he heroically sacrificed himself to help the Turtles uh, escape from a crane base. And all I can say is I may have cried a bit, And rest in peace, Metalhead. I hope you come back. But also, with Donnie, one of the most interesting aspects for him is he has a huge crush on April. And unlike Leo and Karai, where uh, Raph will call him out on it, but it's still pretty much not really, you know, pretty much on the down low. For Donnie, it's just about obvious. In fact, he gets into stalker territory. (laughs) Because he's like, ooh, hey, we're almost like 3.6 blocks from April's house. And Michelangelo goes, dude, that, that's just scary how you know that, man. <laughs> so it's great that he um, keeps trying to woo April. And in season two, when we get Casey Jones, who's uh, also a 16-year-old going to April's school, it's great how we see Donnie keep trying to upstage Casey. <laughs> so, uh he can, you know, catch April's eye, and unfortunately his showboating caused a rather big rift between April and the Turtles for a few episodes, and it was fully understandable. I won't say it what, but um, it was a major plot thread throughout all of season two. And also, Donnie has his classic bow staff but one of the nice changes for the sh- this show is that in addition to the standard bow staff, he has a thumb switch that can extend a blade from one end so it becomes a full-fetched spear so when needed to, he can let the robot stabbing commence. <laughs> now, Michelangelo is voiced by Greg Sipes, and I didn't know this, but when I found out, I went, yes, it makes so much sense because Greg Sipes was a voice from Beast Boy from Teen Titans, and Beast Boy was... Both the party guy, but at times he could be serious when he needed to, and that's exactly like Ma- Mikey in this show because, yes, he's still the party dude, but he's not the dumb surfer party dude. Mikey is looking for a good time, but he's not an idiot. In fact, he has an amazing innocence to him that immediately h- makes him my favorite turtle. He's into everything I'm into comics and movies and anime, and If I had any kind of athletic ability, I would love to hang with Mikey and also have a pizza eating contest with him. However, some of the the pizza he eats is interesting and some of them, I think, are an abomination to all that is holy. So (laughs) it's kind of interesting, but... One of the other things I really love about Michelangelo is he's pretty much the Cisco of the show. And by Cisco, I mean Cisco from the Flash TV series, because Mikey is the one to constantly name all the villains. And, in fact, he gets pretty upset if someone else does it. (laughs) So if you go to your Ninja Turtle uh, toy section at your local uh, Walmart or store, And you see, like, Dog Pound or Fish Face or, you know, some of these weird bad guy names. Yeah, you have Michelangelo to thank for it. Okay. Now, we're going to get a little serious here, friends. Because we're going to talk about Master Splinter, a.k.a. Hamato Yoshi. So, Master Splinter is voiced by Hoon Lee. And I couldn't find... I don't have uh, much information on Mr. Lee, so I apologize. Now, to me, for the longest time, I never thought of Splinter as a father figure. Ninja Master was never in question. But I never really got the sense of him being a father to the Turtles. Well, in this series, it completely changed my view. He is a father raising his sons. Um... The lessons he teaches always make sense, but and he's always serious. But at times, <laughs> he's got some humor, and he makes some great jokes at throughout the show. One time, he there they bring in uh... Leatherhead into the lair, and they had any at the time Leatherhead has a animal side that basically makes him go Hulk. So you have a giant alligator hulking out, <laughs> not a good thing. So. Master Splinter says, yes, we must help this injured individual, but we also need to tie him to the post. Why? Well, I am merciful, but I'm not crazy. (laughs) But also with Master Splinter, like I said, he is Hamato Yoshi, so he was originally a ninja master living in Japan. And later he um, discovered... Something, an experiment of the Krang and was chased by them and in an accident got the mutagen spilled on him and he was carrying a box of four little turtles where the mutagen all spilled out and thus he mutated into Splinter. But Master Splinter is a tragic figure and the show is not afraid to show it. Because while he was Hamaru Yoshi, he had a wife, Tang Shen, and a daughter, Miwa. And throughout the show, he'll gaze longingly at a photo of his family because that's all he has left. Because his brother-in-arms, Oroku Sakai, a.k.a. the Shredder, desired Tang Shen for himself. And so he attacked the Yoshi's home. In the. F- why well, I get. No, actually, in Japanese, Hamado would be the last name, Yoshi's the first name, so I apologize. S- they attack the Hamados home, and in the ensuing fight, Tang and Miwa are both killed, and Yoshi is trapped beneath rubble. Now, uh, now Gene, I know you're probably thinking Yoshi from Mario, please stop. Aroku <laughs> leaves Yoshi to his fate, but. Hamato is, but Yoshi escapes and hides in New York. Well, you know, I'm just going to say Hamato, even though that's his last name. He escapes and hides in New York, and thus we cut to our future, and one ooze spill later, a kick-butt ninja rat. And I'll say this, the climactic battle of the first season between Shredder and Splinter is everything we could ask for. There is no holes barred with Splinter, because... Shredder pushes the exact button he shouldn't have pushed and Sprinter fully embraces his more animalistic side and so he's using in addition to his fists and uh, feet he's using his tail he's using his fangs he's using every weapon in his disposal in fact he's running on all fours at times and climbing walls and things to get at Shredder and it's it's a beautiful fight scene And that's one other thing I love about the series is the animation. It is so fluid. I never, ever get lost in it. I can easily follow the fights, and they're very well choreographed, and some of them are extremely complex. So I really give kudos to the animators for that. Now, April is voiced by Mae Whitman. Now, that may be familiar because, again, this is a great... This is like I, well, as I said, Avatar and Korra are the two best shows Nickelodeon ever produced. This is the third best, but yet we still have an Avatar reference because Mae Whitman was the voice of Katara. (laughs) So it all comes back to Avatar, apparently. (laughs) Now, I will say for Nickelodeon, Rugrats was the fourth best show, and if anyone wants to disagree, you can, but yeah, Rugrats was number four. And, again, as I mentioned, April is just as smart as Donnie. Her dad's a scientist. Her mom was, uh, I think, an engineer. I don't know much about her mom because they haven't really gone into her backstory yet. But she's not a dummy. <laughs> and I think that's part of what attracts Donnie to her is when he starts talking all these complicated chemical formulas, April's right there with him. In fact, I get a lot of, uh, <laughs> to tie it back into Flash, I get a lot of... Um, caitlin Snow in April. <laughs> now, throughout the series, she s- decides to train under Splinter as a kun- kunoichi or a female ninja. But what I loved about the show is it's not just Master Splinter I'd like you to train me and then boom, the next episode, hey, she's doing spin kicks and flinging um kunai. No. She we see her work for it throughout the first two seasons. In fact, uh, doing the research, I know she becomes a full-fledged Konoichi, but at this moment she's still not there yet. Excuse me, but she's still not there yet. And in fact, in one episode, we see her barely keeping up with the turtles through just a two just through their exercise warm up, which happened to be a two hour marathon across New York rooftops. And she's like, Man, that was some workout and they're like, Workout, that was just our warm up, we got another four hours to go And it's just great that they're not rushing it. They're making it earned and I'm so happy for that. In fact, throughout the series, it's obvious that she becomes the daughter that Splinter lost because he cares for her like she would've been Miwa. In fact, she is given a Tassan and I apologize if I mispronounce these names, but a Tassan was a blade fan, so you know it's it's the blade, it's the fan you open up and it's got all the spikes or the ra- razor blade on the end. Well, this Tessen was going to, was a family heirloom that Splinter was going to give to Miwa, but. Uh, he gives it to April because and because she earned it, and it was a very touching moment between both master and student, and father and daughter. Because at that p- moment in the series, April's dad's been kidnapped, and she's pretty well staying with the turtles, B- because again, she's the main target for the crane. I won't say why; you just have to find out. <laughs> and also throughout the show. Every once in a while, she is the target of the Foot Clan, as specifically Karai. So, at the... Uh, one of the fights at the end of Season 1, she is barely able to escape, let alone fighter. In fact, if it wasn't for some really lucky intervention, yeah, she would have been um, either captured or executed by Karai. But uh, by the end of Season 2 well, I shouldn't say the end of Season 2, where I am now, about halfway through, she's able to stand up to Karai and give her a pretty good showing, so I'm very impressed with that. Now, I've talked all my favorite heroes. Let's get into some of the villains of the show. Okay. Well, first off, let's get into everyone's number one favorite, Shredder aka Oroku Sakai, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson or you may know him as the dreadlocks joker from the Batman cartoon series that ran on Kids WB for a while so yeah he he has a he was actually able to make that character scary so when he got into Shredder who yeah Let, let's let's talk about Shredder Because Shredder is this, a man scarred by his desire for a woman he couldn't have and driven solely by vengeance against the man he thought of as a brother. Shredder is downright terrifying in this show, friends. In fact, when the turtles first meet up with him, he easily takes them out. In fact, it took Splinter to get them out. Just out of there. There wasn't a big fight, it was just we have to survive. And then Splinter went full on hardcore training with the turtles. With Shredder, his sole goal upon learning that his nemesis, Hamato Yoshi, survived their final battle in Japan is to kill him once and for all. His desire for this blinds him to even more important events like you know various alien species wanting to wipe out all life on earth from time to time in fact even making deals with said species wanting to wipe out earth just so he can have a chance to kill to kill Hamato Yoshi in fact he never calls him Splinter he always calls him Hamato Yoshi which I I I do have some respect for Shredder for that in fact, with Shredder, not even his daughter Karai, like I said, second in command, well, it's his daughter, can break through Shredder's madness and obsession. This Shredder is no goof. He is death walking. Yeah. This is a good shredder. In fact, if it if they weren't required to keep the henchmen for you know toys and story purposes, which I mainly think for toy purposes, he wouldn't be afraid to pull Darth Vader from time to time on these henchmen. If, in fact, if there's one episode, one off episode henchmen, and they fail, we never see them again. Okay. So, I am so happy this Shredder is the v- villain he should be. He's not, oh, I I somehow got rust on these metal parts and now I can't move. Or, Krang, what silly weak adventure or we plan are we going to do to stop the Turtles? I'm going to build a pizza joint on the off chance of sending a poison pizza to the Turtles despite the fact that it'll probably take months for this to happen. No. This is a shredder who is one part criminal underworld kingpin and one part death. So yeah, it's it's great. And then you have that dark deep voice of Mr. Richardson and it fits him to a T. So let's talk about Karai. Now she's voiced by Kelly Hugh, who also voiced Cheshire in the Young Justice Animated series, and when I found that out, I went ballistic because I love Cheshire in that series. In fact, when I read uh, Teen Titans and I See Cheshire, I have Kelly Hughes voice in my head now. <laughs> and I'll be honest that when when I looked up her her uh, body at work for some other things, and I found out her age, she is still smoking hot for almost paying 50 I mean, I was shocked she is currently 48 years old, and yeah, any, yeah, I'm not afraid, I'm not ashamed to admit, and this may, just say, yeah, whew, someone's a lucky, lucky person. Now, Karai is also a very complex character. She's not just, oh, I have to, you know, fight the turtles because... Master Shredder said so. No, she has motivation. She has reason to hate Hamato Yoshi because, well, I'll get into that in a second. But also, she is a bit more open-minded. She's not focused solely on the Turtles' destruction, but more on what's best for the Foot Clan as a whole. So when she finds out, like, the Crane want to wipe out all of humanity, yeah, she's not afraid to go rogue and help the Turtles fight that. So that's pretty cool. But Karai also has a tragic backstory because she blames Splinter for her mother's death and she has no problem trying to kill him. In fact, that's why she was going after April uh, in the first season was to hurt Splinter. Now, the only problem with this is her mother was Tang Shen and... Guess who her true father is? Yep, that's right. So, if you've seen the movie Mask of Zorro, you know what happened. It pretty much boils down to bad guy gets rid of the good guy who got the girl and raises the good guy's daughter as his own. And so it's also... Now, also... She uses the flirting with Leo as a distraction, but I think she does have a th- little bit of a thing for our blue bandana hero. Because there, there's some longing looks. It's it. They're, they're there, or maybe I'm just re- looking a little too much. But I think they're there. Like I said, I'm definitely getting a Batman Catwoman vibe off the two of them. Now, interspecies relationship complications aside. Since she is the daughter of Splinter, she is kind of his sister, so if the writers go down this route, well, good luck, because this could give any uh, practicing psychiatrist student a great thesis for their doctorate. (laughs) Okay, so that's, those are my favorite characters, and there's a few more in the show. But I don't want to spoil all of it. You got to check it out. <laughs> and the, there's, it's not a perfect show. I'll have to say this. The animation in the show can be a little bare bones. For example, most of New York is night it's in a night setting, which makes sense because they're, you know, ninjas and they're turtles and it's all hard walking out in broad daylight. No, we don't have trench coats and fedoras. They stick to the shadows. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> Leo will uh, sometimes call out the turtles as they're traveling on rooftops and yakking, and you know, carrying on, and Mikey's woohooing. He'll go, guys, what's a ninja supposed to be? And they're like, what? Stealth, quiet. <laughs> and it's it's great. But that said, for as far as I know New York is the city that never sleeps so we see very little traffic or people in uh, the city scenes The it's the most deserted New York I've ever seen now that's a minor nitpick but it's a big one because their main vehicle is literally a retrofitted subway car and I'm sorry there's no way that should be something that white should be able to drive down a normal street and not hit somebody <laughs> but like but one thing i love again as i mentioned was the fight choreography it's fluid it's fast-paced it's just a breathtaking show to watch and i can't get enough of it now that's not the only other Thing about the show that I love in fact one thing about the show is the geek references and easter eggs they throw in the show oh there's a lot here so Jean Scott I'm so glad you were able to stick around because my friends I'm very happy you did because I'm about to make you very happy geeks First off, you remember the space hero show I mentioned? Well, what that is, is th- every episode has a lesson in it. So they, they, they're they not flat out morals, but they do have lessons. And one of the ways they'll tell them is the turtles will find either old videotapes or watch a TV series. Well, in the first season, we have space heroes. Now, what space heroes is is an homage to Star Trek, the animated series. Captain Ryan is Captain Kirk, and they are not afraid to do jokes off of Star Trek. But the animation is 2D, and it looks identical to the filmation and animation of the animated series. It's, it's like you... you I, I can't really explain You just have to watch it. But there's also a great bit where they'll make fun of red shirts. They'll make fun of Captain Kirk, you know, being with all, dating all the alien women. They make fun of, <laughs> uh, you know, Spock. It, it's just it's great. But it's they all tie into a lesson. But also, in every episode, there's a character I call Lieutenant Slappy. Now that's not his name, but he always goes hysterical, and the captain slaps him. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself and for sometimes there'll be no reason but he just does it, and I love it now I do not condone physical violence but this is comedy there's a difference now the second season unfortunately we didn't have space heroes anymore and that was a little sad but what we got was shit super robot monkey team hyperforce oh wow to pull the curtain back friends I just recorded about 10 minutes and realized I was on mute <laughs> fortunately you won't hear this but uh yeah that that was fun so I have to redo an entire section Ooh. okay and that was super robot monkey team hyperforce no that's not it that's the homage Okay, is, yeah, no. <laughs> and that is Super Robo Mecha Force 5, which is, Gene, a full-on 1970s anime-style show. And it's complete with the weird jump cuts, the f- missing frame animation, the really, really bad dubbing and lip-syncing. It is just You have the giant robots, you have the uh, Power Rangers in that show. It's just fun, and I love it. And and all the characters are dressed in either the Power Ranger colors or the Voltron Force colors. Take your pick. And I love it so much. Now, Scott, thanks for listening, because I haven't forgotten you, my friend. Now, this is in Season 3, so I haven't gotten to it yet. But I'm looking forward to it because what it is is the series that they talk about for that season is Krognard the Barbarian, and it is a full-on Thundar the Barbarian homage. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I the just the stills I've seen, it looks like it came. St- <sighs> And just from the stills I've seen, it looks like it came straight from a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. It looks really, really good. But that's not the only Easter eggs. We have Star Wars Easter eggs. We have Super Mario Bros. Easter eggs. We have a full-on Dune Easter egg with sandworms. Um, We have a Game Boy that Mike Nut Donnie has retrofitted into a scanner. When he turns it on, it makes that classic Game Boy sound. And it's just fun. Um, three of the main bad guys we have, That two of them who work for Shredder, Chris Bradford and Zever. Well, Chris Bradford is full on 1980s Chuck Norris, complete with beard. In fact, he may be a little bit more impressive than Chuck Norris. (gasps) Heresy! But let me explain, because he has awesome bling. He has pretty much Dr. McCoy's necklace from Star Trek. The original motion picture. <laughs> and Zever, a nut, who's also uh, Shredder's main henchman, because we haven't gotten to bebop and rocksteady study yet, he's based off Jim Kelly from the Enter the Dragon movie. And it's really cool. Now, Baxter Stockman, you know, the fly guy, no, not the fly isn't cool, the guy who mutates into a fly, well, he's based off. Richard Pryor, and he really does look like Richard Pryor, it's, it's great. But the best part with Baxter Stockman, and it's a running gag throughout the show, is nobody remembers his name. They'll say either, like, Dexter Stacker or Stockard or, you know, Richard Baxter. or They'll never, ever get the name right, and it's great. But one thing I really, really love is the full on alien homage. And this is pretty much if really Scott directed an episode of Ninja Turtles. Because we have mute little mutant squirrels who first off climb into their host's mouths, grow, and fortunately we don't have chest bursters, but they vomit out, and instead of one squirrel annoyed, we get two And then later, they further mutate into full-on xenomorphs. And not just look like the um, uh, yellow pizza monsters from the 1987 series. No, we are talking full-on xenomorphs, complete with the clear head that shows their brains and stuff. The colors are different, but no, it is the original xenomorph, complete with second mouth. And yeah, squirrels scared me to begin with, but now we have alien squirrels. I'm glad I watched that episode at like ten in the morning on a Saturday. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone to sleep that night. <laughs> but also, some of the more jokey villains in the show, like the rat from the '87 series, like the Rat King, who really was kind of a joke. In this ep- in this series, he is full on terrifying. He's first off voiced by Jeffrey Combs, Wayne from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, or Ratchet from Transformers Prime, or my personal favorite, the Question from the Justice League unlimited series and he's when he gets mutated to get his powers he's all skeletal and he literally is a threat. First off, he takes over he uses the rats to take over all of New York and then he takes control of Splinter and almost has Splinter kill all the turtles. And then throughout regular appearances, he keeps trying to break into Splinter's mind and you have a great mental fight between the two and it's perfect and I, he's a legitimate threat and I'm so happy for it. But the last episode I just watched was a full-on Dungeons & Dragons riff, and it was great. And we even had the turtles do LARPing. They even explained it, but they had turtles do LARPing, and it was great because Mikey's dressed as an elf archer, and he has a little plus-one ring of awesomeness. Ah, I love it. Well... That's about all I want to talk about today because there's a lot to cover. I mean, I haven't even talked the Krang, but to do that would take another twenty minutes, and I don't want to spoil everything. Like I said, you friend, like I said, friends, you have to check this out. It is worth it. So, where can you find these? Well, you can find them on Amazon as DVDs or was on video at least that's where i was able to find them and you're probably expecting me to do my usual two True freaks plug well i don't want to pimp I... <laughs> well you know how m- much i appreciate all the help the two true freaks and their friends and fellow podcasters have given me in making the show so yeah i don't need to say it but please if you happen to stop by their page you know, click the Amazon link. It's really easy. I do it all the time because I try to give my friends back a little something to help keep their shows going because last time I counted, there were 30 different podcasts on that network, and it continues to grow all the time. Well, my friends, I hope you check out The Ninja Turtles, even if not this series, there's a ton of Turtles out there. I mean, we had the 1987 series that I've talked about. There was the 2003 series that's, I think, available on Hulu. There's the mid-90s live-action series that we will never talk about, ever. (laughs) So if you ever wonder why there are Ninja Turtles in an episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, I won't answer it. Okay, well, my friends, thank you for joining me. And make sure to come back next week because I'm not going to say what we're going to talk about. I'm going to leave a little tease like I have been for the past few episodes. But there's something very, very super, super duper special coming, and I can't wait to share it with you. So, I look forward to seeing you all next week. I look forward to seeing. You as always, Turtle loves a girl, thirty-one, Batman, Death, Grapple, my new friend Eric. I appreciate everyone listening. Scott, Jean, Chris, Hair Metal Hero. I appreciate um, you guys listening. Scott and Chris, again, thank you for letting me come on weekly heroics and talk some Luke Cage and my friends. If you want to talk Iron Fist, I have gone he- long into it. I found a great sale on Comicsology for Iron Fist. I found a great series on Marvel Unlimited, so I'm getting pretty well-versed in the character. So if you want me on Iron Fist, I'll be more than happy to bring the, uh, my A game on that one. So, my friends, again. Also, again, check out Tangent... Uh, Tangent. <laughs> check out my show, thank you. No, check out Views from the long box. Again, Michael Bailey just celebrated his 250th episode, and it's not his 250th episode, and I'm not going to go into detail why. I'll let him explain it. <laughs> But, again, check it out, because he did what I, I paced my show off him. I ripped him off, pretty much, because he talks about anything and everything that he loves. Now, his number one favorite is mine, Superman. In fact, because of him, I fell in love with Superman. So, check him out, and there's a great episode if you're wanting some more 80s coverage where he did with um, Big Honking Steve, I think it was like episode 83. In the mid-80s, that's episode number, not... Yeah, episode number in the mid-80s, where he talked the G.I. Joe Real American Hero comic series. And because of that episode, I now own 15 G.I. Joe trade paperbacks of A Real American Hero because it was that good a series. Okay, my friends. Well, thank you all for joining me. I wish you all a great day. And in case I don't see you, Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Tangents Abound is a free podcast. No money is made in the production or distribution of this podcast. All audio clips are owned by the respective copyright holders, and no copyright infringement is intended. The opinions expressed on the show are those solely of Aaron, so they probably shouldn't be taken too seriously, but then again. when has he ever been serious tangents abound is a free podcast no money is made in the production or distribution of this show all opinions expressed on the show are those of the people on the show and probably shouldn't be taken too seriously so you don't need to go crazy on facebook about it also all audio clips are used for education and review purposes and no infringement is intended and in all Audio clips are owned by their copy, by their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Thank you. Test, 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 testing, testing. to to dee, 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 do, do, dee, 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 dee. Y'all ready for this? Dun, 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 boom, 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 dun, 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 dun. What was in that meatball that my mom made? (laughs) Oh, I'm jazzed. Okay.